0: tea time midlife edition it's not a coffee break it's tea time slow down relax it's your turn welcome 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 welcome, welcome. turn the tea kettle on pick your favorite tea grab your favorite teacup let it steep Add what you will, find a cozy spot. It's Tea Time, Midlife Edition. Welcome to Tea Time, Midlife Edition. I'm your host, Regina Young, and I'm with my guest, and I'm very excited she's Agreed to do the podcasting time. I'm very excited, Miss. Well, actually, Doctor Rita Fierro. How are you? How's it going? I'm happy to be here today. How are you? Very good. I am so excited. Today we're talking about being enough and being known, and uh, it's a perfect subject for you. You are a extraordinary lady, and I really Cannot wait to get into this uh, subject. But before we do that, what kind of tea are you drinking?
1: I am drinking this tea that I um, bought in Spain at a retreat center. And it has a little bit of chamomile and a little bit of fennel and probably some other magic things. It's um, meant for digestion. Yes, And uh, I chose it today because I had an amazing experience with that with a few women a few years ago that was very reflective about the state of our world and our society and how it related to ourselves. And this tea is like we used to drink cups and cups and cups of it after lunch. It was just very nurturing. And so it it gives me a happy belly feeling.
0: (laughs) Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, like yourself, I guess we were in... um, a uh, uh, chamomile mode because I too have Zen tea from Tezo, and uh, it has chamomile and lemongrass, are two of my favorites. And of course, chamomile is the you know for treating insomnia or you know whenever you can't sleep. And um, I love lemongrass, and I don't even care what it's for. It's so tasty and smells so good. It's just like my favorite tea. But uh, let's get into it. Actually, right now, t- uh, before I get started. Rita, can you tell me a little more about yourself? Now, I know you stand for um, peace and uh, harmony and having a world that works.
1: Um, Tell me more about yourself. Yeah. So, um, as you said, I'm Dr. Rita Fierro, and um, I have a PhD in African-American studies, and I'm white. I go by intellectual artist, and... Most of um, how I look at the world is that it's a weaving. Like I I see life as a weaving of experiences. So weaving my intellectual and my artist has been a big part of my journey, but also weaving who I am as a white woman in the world and feeling the way I feel about injustice and about unfairness and white supremacy has been like another big part of my journey. And I think the core of everything else has been weaving the heart and the mind together so that the other two have kind of like been side things to that. And um, I help organizations get really, really good at what they do. So I help organizations um, meet their goals and like have the social impact they wanna have either by running better meetings, like meetings that are fun and alive and vibrant and having that. the conversations that really matter to people or uh, helping them measure their social impact better. So getting really, really clear about how they want it to look out in the world and making sure their internal culture as an organization matches what they do out in the world. Oh. So I'm an organizational development and evaluation consultant oh. and I lead my own firm. Oh. What's the name of your firm? Just to. to, Fuhrer Consulting.
0: Fuhrer Consulting LLC. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Oh, wow. That is exciting. And and, and to actually have that ability to help organizations literally get that they are not actually uh, matching what's out in the world. See, we can't evolve, but we continue on the same pace of status quo what there is, is like people like yourself. And you don't have to be like, I, uh, like when you said, oh, I, you know, I'm white, uh, doesn't matter.
1: We are uh, all the human race. So. So a correction. Okay. Um, this is, so I've done a lot of 25 years studying racism, right? So our whole conversation is not going to be Please. about that.
0: But oh, I totally got that.
1: terms around that. Yes, yes. So the term race was created to split up human beings within the human species. So there is actually no human race. As humans, we are a species. And the concept of race was invented to divide. So we can't Ah. actually unite. The concept of race was invented because scientists, after already 300 years of colonizing Africa and North America, and like after, Three hundred years of the Native genocide, right? Yes. Came up with this idea that if they could prove that natives and Africans were inferior, then they can continue to pillage Africa and North America. Wow! And the concept of race was built from there. So I, I, my little stickler around conversation that <laughs> human race actually is a is a contradiction of itself. We're actually a human species. Stop it. We're all one, and they were never able to prove, of course, that there was, like, science has been trying to figure that out for 500 years. There's some people who still haven't given it up, but, um, sorry, not 500, um, since the 1800s. So for about 250 years, there are scientists who have been trying to prove that we're naturally different and naturally- Yes, uh, well, that part is that's never very figured
0: true.
1: Out. I've never been able to prove it. So the dividing has
0: happened from the very uh, beginning. One wants to be uh, uh, superior, and the way to do that is to put that or braced in place. So now we know. Oh, okay. There's a divide somewhere in there, or you can divide. Yeah, I totally could get that. Oh well, as you know, the subject today is about being known, or being enough, and being being known. So uh, I, that. This falls perfectly in place because if you (laughs) are not even, you know, correctly, let's say categorized as a human species versus human race, then you're not even being known. You are being (laughs) separated and clearly you won't be enough because we're not even giving you the space to be. So.
1: You know, I'll add something to that, like we yes. create going in the direction of our topic today, yes. we create a slavery, like there's a slavery that people of color have in ha- trying to constantly prove themselves as, right, being as, enough. As, as being enough, yep. but white people are in that same slavery, because the way we're raised is that if we're not perfect, and we're not demonstrating in our life that we're superior, then we're gonna be completely rejected by our tribe. Like our family is like, you know, if you don't have the good job and you don't have the, you know, how much money are you making? What kind of car are you driving? And there's so much of that. And we actually, I think white people are enslaved by the same not good enoughness.
0: Yes. Because
1: our lives have to be the demonstration of the superiority, otherwise the white trash.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Wow, (laughs) good point, good point. Yeah, that it, it's a real, uh, I say, trap that, um, you know, has been put in place for um, uh, the human species, you know, where you can't just show up as an individual, you must show up a certain way, like it is designed to keep you trapped. And I have it in midlife and beyond. And even when you're young, it it really is no limit. You have to show up in life and be enough and be known. And it's a personal choice. It isn't based on anyone's uh, um, standards. It's based on just knowing, you know, you know, I know when you show up, you, you put yourself at risk and, and people do put themselves at risk because they're more visible once they, you know, say I'm enough. What do you think about that?
1: So one, I would say it's a choice and then the journey follows. Yes. Right. Yes. It's like you declare a vision. Organizations do this, right? Like yeah. you yeah. declare a vision and then you discover all the ways that you can't fulfill it. And that becomes the journey.
0: That's the journey. Yes. Yes. Or
1: and as an individual, like, you know, I look at this with my coaches all the time, right? So it's also you know, what future are you declaring for yourself? And then you, we discover all the things that get in the way. Like that's the nature of how it works is that choosing it doesn't make it happen. Choosing it puts us on the journey. Just puts you, yeah. It starts with
0: a choice. Yes.
1: Yeah. And so, um, in sharing that in the whole concept of midlife, right. Is that I have a saying about life or that was really mine. I like to think it's a theory that applies to everybody, but that's not true. It's just, that, that's not true. so I think my twenties were about discovering uh, who I was. Um, my thirties, I think were about figuring out how life works. And my forties have been feeling like cruising because it feels like I, I know who I am and I know how life works. And it's just kind of like practicing at this point but it's no longer kind of figuring it out yeah and so to the point I was saying before that you were just saying about being not enough just I think um, about a month ago I declared that what I wanted for my life was juicy giggly flow woohoo yeah and life has been really juicy since <laughs> it's really, really juicy. And at first I just discovered all the ways that it wasn't, right? Like I discovered how I was working myself way too hard. And yep, yep, how that yep. not enough was kind of running the show and running yeah. my life. And then slowly, like the more I was I learned, like the juicier and juicier it got. And for me, juicy is. Uh, So juicy for me is, is all five senses, all six senses and includes the intuition, right? So it's five senses and knowing the intuition of I'm on my path right now.
0: Very nice. Very nice.
1: It's it's connection with other human beings from the depth of who I am and the intensity of who I am and the depth of who they are. Wow. It's like soul to soul connection with human beings that is so authentic and so alive that you kind of like break away from the conversation and you go, oh, like it just, it just makes you feel good. Like you're not actually questioning whether it was a great conversation or not. You know, it was. It was. Absolutely,
0: I, I, for me. that sounds absolutely juicy. But I think when you have yourself and you know, you're enough, you're not questioning that space anymore. You're just being with each other authentically. And that connection has you be known with and to the other person. And I think that is the, the, the richest thing. I think that's, what's missing out in the world right now is people are not connecting soul to soul. It's, uh, it's like positional, you know, they're, being positional versus being with each other and just allowing, I don't know, like allowing of uh, themselves to be seen. Yeah. Vulnerable.
1: For some people, that's really scary.
0: I get that. I can but get that. But
1: for this. some people, it's like, you're trying to shine a light on who I am. Go away. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> totally.
0: Totally. <laughs>
1: there get, get it go away! Part of my journey of being enough has been to um, be okay with that. like be yeah. okay with the people who say I-, I can't go there with you.
0: Yeah yeah
1: and not make it about me not going being good enough. Yeah. but I want to say something else to the not good enough is that um, I think we give it up in a second. Right. You and I are in this leadership training that yes, toughest Absolutely. That, right? like, and I think it's a muscle. It's literally like going to the gym. And the more we give up not being good enough, the yes. more easy it comes. But I think it happens. This is what makes life juicy. I think it happens in pockets. Yes. Right. So I have a radio show. Yep. Like this morning, I didn't want to go to the radio show. Now, when I started my radio show on third on like jet ja- in January, um, that would have made me really uncomfortable to be mm. tired and to be on live radio. Yes. Right? Yep. And whatever number of months later, I don't want to count right now. Okay. Um, like whatever number of months later, I can pop into the radio space and let that discomfort go. And just say, well, Rita, you know, wherever you are is enough. And whatever shows up, like whatever your challenge is this morning, if you're groggy, if you're like, just bring that. Yeah. Like bring whatever life feels like right now.
0: I love that level of authenticity. You know, what? it it reads really well because uh, a person can, they can relate. They are in that same space. And you're just speaking into their, you know, uh, their, 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 the place they're at.
1: Exactly. But just because I learned how to do it with the radio show, that doesn't mean that there aren't other areas in my life. Like this morning I was with a client and I was co-facilitating with a colleague and like She was in the driver's seat and I got really uncomfortable and I was (laughs) in my, she doesn't, she doesn't, she doesn't think I'm good enough. She's not going to give me time. She's not going to, she's not like, I went straight back there. Yeah. Yes. Not that it disappears completely. And I don't think the goal is to have it disappear completely, but it's to have it disappear enough that we can experience the juice of life. Yeah. When we're in a new arena or in a new area where the old pattern and the old script that takes away the juiciness of life up again, we can go listen, mister, listen, buster. I know you, you're (laughs) the one who takes away my life from me. Get the hell out of there. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to experience this discomfort. I'm going to get to the other side of it. And by the time I'm done, you don't have a reason to be here anymore.
0: Wow. I get that. That's that self-talk thing. And uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a lot. Yeah,
0: you know what? As long as you recognize uh, the discomfort, and and you, you know, by recognize it, open up a place where you can choose something else, and your self talk can guide you through. It is nothing uh, wrong with self talk. I find it very effective um, when you are really stuck in your head. And you need to kind of get yourself out of that space. So uh, that is brilliant. You were What's the name of your radio show? I didn't quite
1: catch that. Collective Power.
0: Okay, got it. Uh, what it's station on, is that on? Sorry.
1: It's on G-Town Radio. Like, uh, it's a local radio station, community radio. It's online at gtownradio.com, but it also is a podcast. So okay. like, look for Collective Power on however you look for podcasts. It shows up there, too.
0: Okay, got it. Oh, and I'm sure, uh, I'm sure with your powerful voice being known uh, (laughs) uh, I'm sure is there a certain project you're working on with
1: uh, the Radio Collective? So, um, collective power I started collective power because I wanted to, um, for us to talk differently about systems. Hmm. Like, there's a way that in particular, I think in liberal and progressive culture, um, because I gave up trying to fix the other side forever. So, right, right. So I've like, I gave up, I gave that up in my thirties, right? Like that's part of the midlife, like work with who wants to work with you. Bam, good point. Leave the other, leave the other folk alone. Like they'll, good They got, point. Their God. They got <laughs> their God. let their, their God take them wherever they're going. There you go. Um, so, in liberal and progressive culture, there's a tendency, um, in my experience, to uh, get a lot of information to learn about injustice, like read history book on top of history book, right? And this was me. The only reason why I think this is because it was totally me, right? Mm-hmm. And then in conversations with other human beings, what we do when liberals and progressives come together is we start sharing that knowledge. But we share it as a piling up of examples of how how basically humans suck, right? Oh. Like, yeah, like, you know, th- these people were oppressed and then those people were oppressed, and then that war happened, and these many people were killed, and then the kids were put in cages, and then this happened, and then this yep. happened. Yep. And, and it, what it does is that the conversation starts, um, well, with my hands, I'm doing this sinking motion, because it yes. feels, for me in my stomach, it feels like it's sinking. Like, mm-hmm. I'm literally, like, my energy is being pulled out of me like a balloon. And then I think the conversation reaches a low, and then people switch to chocolate cake. <laughs>
0: I get it, I get or it. Or something
1: else. They just want
0: to like, start next subject. Or
1: silver lining or, you know, let's just make up anything that's positive. But I think the response is actually to this physical experience of we're piling on experiences of victimhood. Yes. And it gets to a point where our bodies can no longer take it. Ah. And then we learn for something else and we try to just fix it. So I wanted to have conversations about collective power and systems. Yeah. That we're inside of not only analyzing where systems are and how they operate, but the power we do have in the face of systems and how do we leverage that power and how do we leverage the power either by organizing or by understanding other sides, other perspectives and being willing to see a bigger and bigger picture of how systems operate without that disempowering sinking feeling that makes us want to go to run to chocolate cake got it or check sorry out, for the or, folks check out. The, or check out yeah sorry yeah. for the with uh you know like um eating disorders for whom that like literally chocolate cake is like a really addictive feeling yeah. um but yeah literally I think literally I, I think we also pacify it often with sugar or alcohol or, or no
0: whatever drug. or some linings right or or was that word
1: Silver linings, like trying to something good. Yeah. Like yeah, it. like six million people were killed, but then whatever. Yeah, like something positive
0: like, spin off of it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. And so, um, so that was kind of the concept of the of the show, radio show. Um, but gotcha. since we're talking about being visible and being known, I think there was also something else that I realize. I talk a lot clearly. <laughs> um, and I you know what start- it's
0: okay. This is, that's the point of a podcast. We, we want to yeah. know
1: you are, yeah. you're, <laughs> you're the expert. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that, but, um, but, <laughs> so one of the pieces was I realized that I was bringing a lot of heaviness into my friendships. Like Got I was it. trying to teach my friends a lot. I felt like I had a lot of knowledge to hand over mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, I was trying to teach my friends. And one day I woke up, And I realized that that blank stare that I had on a friend or a coachee's face was me trying to give too much all at once. Got it. And I realized, you know what, sister, you need to go find yourself a stage. Oh, it. Go find a place where you can bring all the wisdom and everything you you have to bring the world and where you can teach and people actually listening because they wanna learn. Mm, That's powerful. And, and I think that's part of visibility. Yeah. Realizing when you have something to give and you need to just freaking give it. Yeah. And
0: not let any discomfort or um uh scaredness or anything prevent you from giving your gift out in the world. Absolutely. That is uh, really awesome. And I'm sorry, was there something because I see yeah
1: and, and being willing to discover what the gift is when you just get a hunch. Because I don't think I knew what the gift is. Maybe I still don't know. Yeah. But I have a hunch that that's the right direction. And so I'm willing to be in the discovery and just follow the hunch.
0: Yeah. And I I can relate to that because with T-Time Midlife Edition, it was just one of those things. It was COVID happened. And I had already been on the trail of discovering, you know, midlife. They want us to disappear and not be known or be seen. And I have it like uh, that does not work. I want the, I've worked in, uh, discovered who I am my whole life. Now at midlife, you want me to not share it and not be seen. That makes no sense to me. So I'm not buying into that philosophy. I just feel like that, uh, um, you've lived all this life. You have all these wealth of experiences. What there is to do is to give it away. It isn't to take your your uh, knowledge, you know, with you, let's say to the grave, you know, there's no value in that. And, and you don't know who you can inspire or shift, you know, in the world just based on just sharing all your knowledge. Yeah.
1: And I have an analogy that I use with my um, Reiki students. Cause I also practice Reiki. Um, self healing, Yes.
0: Healing, yeah, work, yeah. Body
1: work. So, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. So the analogy that I use is the vase. Mm-hmm. So think of, so I think of human beings as vases full of water. And oftentimes, when we're in a position where people want something from us, or we have to give, whether it's knowledge, the way you're talking about, right, or yep. you know, whatever, a trip to the airport, a, a flight, uh, you know, whatever it is, right? Mm. Uh, a lift to the airport is what I was thinking. <laughs> um, Got it. What we think is that we have to pour out this water, right? And what happens is oftentimes we start pouring out and we get to empty and then we're pissed at the world because Mm -hmm. now we're running on empty. It feels like crap. We're exhausted. We feel strained. We feel resentful. And we get to this point of like, if one more person asks me to just lift a finger, I'm going to, I'm going to chop their head off. Yeah. Right. And that's because the water in the vase is actually for us Mm. and it's not to be given. Mm. But if we fill our vases up with what brings us joy, with what nurtures us, with what makes us feel alive, Mm. at some point that vase is so full that you can't but give because there's no other place for the water to go but uh, then out. Fair to say. Fair to say. And you don't even have to control where it goes, you know? It's like you open your mouth, up and you give gifts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think the process of giving is that at its best. Wow. It's literally realizing, you know, if I don't share this article or I don't share, or I don't have this conversation, right? This podcast, if I don't yeah. share my friends, um, then, then, then life would feel weird. Because I would be like trying to put two liters of water in a one, in a one liter bottle. Yeah. It would work. Yeah. Gallon, I, gallons of water in a one gallon. <laughs> <bottle>. uh, yes.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I just love, uh, I, I hear a lot of things I hear, um, you know, being known and being enough is first knowing how to, um, contribute to yourself before giving it away. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like uh, something in midlife, you may have done it for your whole life, but in midlife it's even more necessary, you know, to contribute to yourself and and, and work from the overflow versus uh um you know continuing on the path of you know taking from your you know vase at the bottom hoping that it'll work out it doesn't work that way yeah it's just not it's not a, a powerful place to stand but where did you get all this um because I hear a lot of uh um, healing work and because you said you're from Italy uh where did you get all of this uh what do they call it uh spiritual work uh <laughs> healing work and, yeah. and, and and then just applying especially in Some of the subjects you're dealing with, with the collective, uh, um, you know, uh, I know systemic racism is one of the subjects and uh, women um, who have been through something and they are, you know, reclaiming their power back and getting, you know, uh, to speak and be heard, you know, and be known and not be that uh, what had happened to them and be who they claim themselves to be because they're reclaiming their power. Where'd you get that space? I mean, how, I, I, I don't know if I got a good question, but no, I got it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, so I would say two big turning points in my journey and I'm going to say them both. So I don't lose them. And then you can remind me. if I Okay. Leave. Got it. Okay. So, got it. Um, the first I would say my body, I used to suffer from chronic migraines
0: hmm.
1: and two I um, the journey of my research work, which woke up my trauma. Hmm. So, um, I had permanent migraines at the age of, uh, 23. Wow. Uh, actually even 21, maybe even. So I basically, um, functioned with chronicle, chronic pain because I got tired of like popping pills like mm-hmm. and stuff. And so I operated with a level of consistent pain. And um, I was in college in Italy at the time because I was born in the United States, but my parents moved to Italy when I was 10. So I was studying sociology in Italy at the time. And um, after every exam, I would have this tension download where um, this chronic pain would develop into really, really severe migraines. And, um, and the doctors wanted to prescribe me that, va- uh, Valium. Like they wanted me to, wow. my, my general doctor wanted me to take Valium for four days and sleep until the headache was over. Huh. Um, and having had a mom who had had an addiction to prescription drugs, I like, I just had a gut feeling of like, I am like. I didn't even know what Valium was, but I could feel that it was like, I didn't have the word psychotropic drugs, but I knew that it, did, it would do something to my mind. And I it. Mm. And so um, I took Valeriana, which is an herb, but is still a sedative. I would take it for three days straight, um, sleep kind of three hours at a time, wake up, eat or drink some water, go back to sleep. And so that was the way I recovered from every exam at the age of 21 and 22. But this is why I have, like, I have no nostalgia about I miss when I was 20. Hell yeah, no. yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm, uh, physical and emotional. I have no dreams about going back to there. And um, at 25, I moved to the States. And um, one day I met a friend who... Well, we were actually on a date. He's a friend now, but at the time we were on a date and he just kind of held his hand in front of my heart for about five minutes. He had just got trained in Reiki and he said, Hey, you know, let me just do this thing. I just learned, right? He had just done, it's a weekend workshop. So he just did his weekend workshops and I got totally freaked out. Like I could feel something moving around my chest and I could feel the intimacy of it. And I felt really embarrassed. We hadn't kissed yet. And I was like, get out of my space. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Wow. I was it. like,
1: what are you doing? What are you doing? I was like, totally hypervigilant. And, um, and then he's like, come on, Rita, you've known me for a year. I'm not going to hurt you. Can you just close your eyes and relax for five minutes? Like what the heck? Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And yeah. I did. And five minutes later I said, huh, interesting. My headache just lifted a little bit right yeah, Not." Yeah not it didn't it wasn't gone but i could feel a shift and so he said oh you have a headache i was like i always have a headache and so he's like let me work on your headache and he worked on my head for maybe 10 or 15 minutes and and it lifted further it was like a little light wow and he being a music therapist with the emphasis on the therapist he's like why are you living?" To 25. What are you gonna do about that? You don't have yep. to live with chronic pain. You're yep. right? you have yep. to live with chronic pain. I don't think he he did the guilt trip on age right now. I probably do what are you doing? What are you gonna do about it? Yeah. Pause. He didn't try to fix me, he didn't try to give me a solution, nothing, just long. Oh. long and right. I wasn't used to that because in my Italian family, we don't we don't do that. We don't pause and listen for people to answer. And uh, it basically, I ended up taking a Reiki class a couple months later. Wow. And uh, within, I would say, six months, my headaches were gone
0: of treating myself. Because in
1: Reiki, you can treat not only other people, but yourself. I would say within like six months to a year, my headaches were gone. Um, And so that was one piece of the journey. And doing Reiki has us discover how the feelings we have in our body are connected to memories or connected to old emotions or connected to past experiences. So I think Reiki put me on the deepest kind of self-reflection journey mm-hmm. and it put me on a journey of discovering how my body knew the way. Like how my body could actually draw a pathway for juicier life. Well, yeah. That that's
0: an awesome awesome story especially around Reiki because I am a fan that happened in New York too as well had lots of anxiety um, in New York and a friend of mine she was just discovering Reiki as well and she put all the stones on all the chakra points and I could just feel whatever that tension was got lifted right off me so uh, you don't have to uh, convince me, I'm clear. It really, really works. And that's a, a real blessing. And I can see how that feeling would make it uh, um, make you a great space for uh, people sharing stories of trauma and um, and uh, unfortunately, you know, things that may not be uh, happy, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. But it's... Mm-hmm. What you're referring to is that I uh, wrote a book on mothers who lost their children to foster care and were fighting to get them back. Yes. It's not published yet, but it's based on 20 years of research. And I I just listened, like I sat with these six mothers and I just had them tell their story the way, like beginning to end the way they see it. Which was sitting with each mom like from five times to lost count, probably 30 times each in the course of 15 years. Wow. Um and I discovered what I didn't know is that each of those women who I had chosen to do the deep interviewing with um were all survivors of sexual violence. Mm. Um five out of six were survivors of uh multiple rape as youth. Mm, like they had been mm. raped more than once as little girls before they turned 18 um and one uh, was the product of incest mm. and um there's something that trauma does to the brain the way i would like to describe it is sort of like a, a, a an old vinyl record that skips yes when you ask people to tell them their tell you their life story what trauma does is it like does this ink it does a mix of The images that you remember, you remember really clearly. And the things that you don't fade in the background. And so for me to sit with these women and ask them to tell me the story of like how they lost their children and their lives and how they were fighting their butts off to get their kids back meant that I also had to be willing to listen to the stories and the details of how they had been raped. Mm. Because um, because those memories hold a clarity and a crispness that almost none of the rest of their lives holds. It's sort of it like it. gets a little stuck there. Mm. And um, in listening over and over again, and transcribing, and trying to rewrite, and rereading, reading and um, basically, I, I ended up discovering that I too am a survivor of sexual trauma. Mm. And so I had to do the work to, like that dislodged kind of 10 years later, a whole bunch of, a hornet's nest in my body um, that took me some time to release.
0: Mm. Extraordinary.
1: Uh, Really, thank you
0: for that, that being so vulnerable and being so authentic. You know, I'm sure being such a clearing like that, you know, and telling the stories how many people that's going to make. And when is the book coming out, being released, any
1: of that? Uh, we're working on it. Is that where we're at? I'm working on it still. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm working on self-publishing a different book on systemic racism that I couldn't have written if I hadn't really sat with those stories. Yes. Um, and like towards the end, I can give you, I can give you where to like my website. So if people want to sign up, to find out, it's out you can just sign up for the release of it. Absolutely. And that, like that, that book will probably be out in about a month. Got um, it. uh, the book on the mother's stories, I'm, I'm still working on it. You're it's,
0: in the, you're in the process.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not totally cooked yet. <laughs> so the book is done. It's a matter of finding a publisher who oh. the stories, the way I honor them and doesn't ask me to change the book. Ah, so
0: it's a request. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's Got it's it. an issue of me. It's, um, the book is kind of a love letter in that it's the promise I made to moms to have their stories told as close as possible to what it's like for them.
0: Yes.
1: And, um, our publication systems have other set of priorities. And so... Um that book is probably not going to get released unless I find the publisher who's as committed to women's stories as I am. Wow, uh, we can talk offline, so yeah
0: because <laughs> uh, like yourself, I have a book coming out uh, late November called "Overcoming Mediocrity, Unstoppable mm-hmm. Woman." So uh, definitely we'll have to definitely talk offline., <laughs> yeah, sounds great. <laughs> but you know, Dr. Rita. I really appreciate you coming on tea time midlife edition and you are a very interesting woman. Let's not, well, you know, I I can't step over you. You, you, have got your, your, your hand in every area, but all I know, it's all comes from the place of love. And, Mm. and that is what really about being enough is to love yourself enough to be seen, to be known and to give it away. So, Thank you for being that person out in the world for yourself and other women, because that's a missing, you know? It's a missing. <laughs> you know, thank you for being you.
1: Same here, Miss Regina. Yeah. Yeah. Some years ago, last year, I think it was that we were in a meeting and you said to me, I see you. I see you're like all love. And I recognize you because I'm like that too. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> I do you remember you telling me that, yes, that um, yes, last year sure. I, I remember that moment as like one of those juicy moments in life yep absolutely and so, like I acknowledge you for um wanting standing for more for yourself in your life and doing whatever yes. it has to take to Hold a vision and carry out this this reality of a juicy life, right? Mm. And then holding it for other women as well.
0: Absolutely, thank you so much. Oh boy, tell (laughs) you that is that's that's it in a nutshell. That's being that's being seen, that's being being heard, being enough, and being known out in the world. And (laughs) that's what you want for yourself and every other woman, as she deserves that just like you. Absolutely true. Thank you. Thank you. Um, please share your website um, uh, and everything else you want to share. So, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, um, definitely sign up for uh, and listen to uh, Rita's radio show. So, I mean, it's extraordinary all the different subjects she tops, uh, talks and taps into. So,
1: cool. So, my organizational work, which includes coaching, um, the website is www. That's F is in Frank I E R R O. Dot uh, no R R O Consulting LLC.com. Um, my, uh, if you're interested in the book, you can sign up at my uh, personal page, which is my name, Rita Fierro.com. So www. f as in Frank, I-E-R-R-O.com. And you can just sign up for a newsletter there and you'll see when the book is out. And, uh, the radio show is collectivepowermedia.com. And then if you go to collectivepowermedia.com, it'll show you how to sign up for the podcast or how to listen live, however you want to listen.
0: Oh, awesome. We'll have all that information below in the uh, section for you know, info mm-hmm. from this show. So you, know, you can definitely reach out. I just want to thank you for taking the time and uh, being an awesome person.
1: <laughs>
0: right back at you. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you. This has been Tea Time, Midlife Edition. Uh, Next week, the subject will be on grief. It's going to be a personal subject. So please come back and see us.
1: Thank you, Dr. Rita. Cheers. Thank you, Regina.
0: It's Tea Time, Midlife Edition.